0: You're listening to audio from Holy Cross Church in Tucson, Arizona. If you'd like to check out more resources or learn more about our ministry, please visit holycrosstucson.com. We'll continue in our worship when we go to God's Word. We'll be in Proverbs chapter 12 today, spending most of our time in there through a few verses. We'll be reading this morning in verse 13 to 19. Let's go to God's Word. Chapter 12, verse 13. An evil man is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous escapes from trouble. From the fruit of his mouth, a man is satisfied with good, and the work of a man's hand comes back to him. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. There's one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. This is God's word. Well, you thought last week was a gut punch talking about parenting. Today, we talk about the power of words. And uh, probably one of the most dishonest idioms of our time or sayings of our time are sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. We learn from God's word in in our passage in 1218 that there's one whose harsh words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. Words have the power to kill and destroy and also to heal like medicine, to soothe, to bring comfort. Proverbs tells us that words can heal. They end friendships. Words can end marriages. They can start wars. They can destroy reputations. They can tear apart churches. Words can kill you psychologically and emotionally. If you've ever been told that you're a disappointment, you're an idiot, I'm not in love with you anymore. Those words and sayings can stick with you forever. They never go away. They shape you. They have the power to poison your sense of self-worth and sense of dignity. They can cause you to spend your entire life trying to escape the damage that the words have done to you emotionally. And you try to do whatever you can do to, to be loved and to feel accepted and to have a sense of belonging and value in life because words destroyed you at some point. But words can also heal, right? They can lift our spirits. You know what those feel like as well when you're having a hard day and someone comes along with a kind word. You can make your day. Words can cheer you up. They can restore, restore confidence. They can boost your courage. We know there are bitter words, but there are also sweet words. There are delicious words. Words like, I really like being with you. Words like, you're doing such a great job. I know it's really difficult. Don't give up. I believe in you. You do so much for our family. I'm so thankful for you. I really hope tomorrow is better, but if it's not, I'm still here for you. See, there's words that can just make us feel like we can conquer whatever is in front of us. There's so many principles here in the book of Proverbs for the power of words, but not just words, but also silence. We'll look at a few of those this morning. The first one is that words make your beliefs come to life. This is something we need to remember about our words. Quite literally in verse 13 describes what comes out of our mouth in terms of like legal terms. Words are like a witness to what is going on in our hearts. Proverbs twelve thirteen: an evil man is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous escapes from trouble. Words have the power to bring judgment and conviction, or they can bring acquittal and freedom to our life. They make our beliefs come to life. They make what's going on inside of us in our inner life come to life and we are judged by that. We are judged by God. How does this happen? How, does, how, does, how do our words become to us like a witness that can either accuse us and judge us and condemn us or acquit us and give us freedom? Words are like, consider this, having a tape recorder around your neck, pressed on record, Recording 24 365. Everywhere you go, everything is captured on this tape recorder. Everything you say, everything you say about others, everything you say about yourself, whatever you claim about yourself, your tone, your gossip, your lies, your exaggerations and embellishments. And at the end of the day, the tape recorder is played on social media For everyone to hear. Everyone stops and listens to the tape recorder of your life from that day. And that happens every single day for the rest of your life. Now, other than being totally embarrassed, who would you have to apologize to? Who would you have to ask forgiveness from? How many people would not receive that forgiveness or receive that apology? Would you get fired from your job? If your boss listened to what you say, would you lose a friendship? Would you lose the trust of, the trust or, re- or your reputation? Or would you lose um, somebody that you really care about? Would you do damage that was irreversibly caused? You know, before you think we're going a little too far with the reality of our words, look at what Jesus says in Matthew 12. He says, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you'll be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. Jesus himself says that our words are a witness, that every word is captured, every tone, Every time we tear down a person, every time we say something healing and encouraging, God hears it all. Nothing escapes from him. There may be people that can't hear what you're saying about them, but God hears it all. And it's like a tape recorder strapped around our neck, playing for him 24-7, 365. Words are a witness. What are they a witness to? They're a witness to what is happening in our heart, what we truly believe, and words have a way of bringing to life how we really feel. Think of it like this. Our words are the sounds our heart makes. Not to be confused with Cinderella's proverb, right? A dream is a wish your heart makes. This is like a sound That your heart makes. The words are the sounds that your heart makes. The Proverbs and Jesus bring awareness to the importance of our words, to what we say, because they bear witness to the condition of our hearts, and that is of utmost importance. We can be convicted of our words and what we say. And then we can say, I shouldn't have said that. I really don't want to be the person who says that kind of thing. And where that is a good step, it's not going far enough. The wisdom of God's word wants us to see that your words are merely just your beliefs being known. It's just putting life to your words. What is going on in your heart? What is happening in your inner life? And words not they don't only they don't only make our beliefs come to life words can actually shape our beliefs as well. Do you see this there's this double-edged reality to words. They reveal what's in our heart but they can also shape our heart. They're an overflow of what is happening in our heart, but they can enhance what we believe. Our words are like a thermostat. What what does a thermostat do? You go and look at the thermostat to see what temperature it is in the room currently. But you also use a thermostat to set it where you want it to be. And so a thermostat has two purposes, just like our words. Reveals what's in us, and it can also influence what is in us. Proverbs 12, 14, for the fruit of his mouth, a man is satisfied with good and the work of a man's hand comes back to him. Consider the phenomenon that happens. You've been in these situations before. I'm sure when you're thinking of a person and you say, oh, that person is just the worst. And you want to, you're waiting for the reaction from the other person. And that other person says, you're absolutely right. I agree with you. That person is the worst. And then you say, now let me give you all the evidence that I have for why that person is the worst. And then, then you share your evidence for why that person is the worst. And what is happening? Your heart is being shaped more and more into have an opinion about this person. What just happened? Do you realize what happens in that moment to your heart? You just shaped your heart by your words and by the words of another person. They have the power to shape your perception of reality you're able to shape a person's heart. And you're able to shape a person's heart that will bend towards evil. And a person will have power to shape your heart to bend towards evil as well. You may have come into a situation thinking negative things about a person, and then you start to exaggerate things and the negative things about that person, but before you think, before you realize it's not an exaggeration, but it's a reality to you you're convinced that that person is the worst. Our words shape us. They shape others. And those who speak in such a way that honors God with their words can expect reward and good to come to them. Our Proverbs is telling us that. Those who speak honestly, those who speak honoringly, those who speak righteously and truthfully can expect God to bless our words and our life. And those who speak foolishly can expect trouble in life. And this is because people see your heart by your words. And when they see resentment and anger and jealousy and bitterness and control and selfishness and pride when we speak, well, then those things have a way of bringing trouble in our life. Words shape us. They shape our beliefs and our beliefs of others, and that is why gossip is so evil. That is why God speaks against gossip so much. What is gossip? Gossip is speaking in such a way about a person that makes them look bad and us look good. Gossip is talking about the sins of another person without them being there. In such a way that is not interested in their redemption and in their healing, but in making them look in a better light and us being looked at in a good light. The Bible calls this gossip. Most people just call it, you know, dinner party with friends. (laughs) Talking about others and sharing our common disagreement with others. I feel like I need a chair to sit down and talk to you about this, but why don't you all take a seat? And listen to this. Someone in your life, maybe it's a personality thing, maybe it's a sin, and you don't like that. And you're thinking about this thing about a person that's bothering you and you wish it weren't that way. And so that's person A. And then person B and C get together and you talk about person A. You talk about their sins, you talk about their weaknesses. With no intention to bring redemption to that person's life, no intention to be involved in the growth of that person, but only intention is to find agreement with another person about what you don't like about that person. Meanwhile, God looks at that person's sin and that person's weakness, and his heart is bent toward bringing compassion, restoration, healing, forgiveness, sanctification for that person's life. And your intentions are the complete opposite. That's the work of the devil. And that is why the Bible calls gossip the work of the devil. Because when someone is weak and hurting and God looks with compassion on that life and in their sin, you only look with judgment, desiring to keep that person in a place of contempt and suffering. And you kind of get off on that. That is why gossip is so evil. Gossip is the work of the devil to continually hold a person in a place of contempt where God desires to bring rescue and healing. The sins of others are truly none of your business unless you intend to be a part of God's redemptive plan for that person. Then you involve yourself in the sins of that person. Then you involve yourself in their restoration. This means that if if we desire to get our, our whole self under control, this is how words are so powerful. I'm talking about our emotions, our attitudes, our actions, our habits, our passions. If you desire to be a person who is well controlled in your whole being, your whole constitution, start with your words it will, it will change you. Not just in your speaking, it will change your whole life. If you can get your words under control, you will change your life. And so instead of venting our beliefs with our words, our beliefs of our hearts, we ought to be, I mean, we, we have the great privilege to confess our beliefs. We make our our beliefs known to God. We say, this person, I I, I don't care for this person. I have great strong negative feelings towards this person, great resentment, great anger, great resentment, whatever it is. And instead of gossiping those beliefs, we confess those beliefs. We ask him for forgiveness. When we say, God, I know you care for this person and want to bring growth in this person's life, but I don't want those things. And I feel like I am opposed to your desire for this person. God help me, God forgive me. So these are the power of words, right? We start off with that. The words are powerful. That is what God's word wants us to know is that, okay, first of all, just know the power that words have. They are like weapons, but speaking is only half of the issue. There's also power in silence. And all the introverts say, amen, right? Yes, amen. Thank you. Can I get a hallelujah? There is power in not speaking. Words can be controlled. Believe it or not, words can be controlled. Proverbs twelve fifteen to 16, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. It was 1999, the year of my senior year in high school, and as my children call it, the the 1900s. (laughs) That was the 1900s, right, Dad? Yeah, yeah, it was, thanks. Slow dance comes on at prom, right? 1999 prom, everybody's prom in 1999 had the same song, the same slow dance come on when you say nothing at all, right? Hugh Grant, Julie Roberts, right? Notting Hill. You say it best. You say it best when you say nothing at all. Before it was in Notting Hill, it was in the Proverbs. You say it best when you say nothing at all. It's true. I'm going to say the most radical thing that's ever been said. You don't have to respond to everything. You don't have to respond to every time you're hurt. You do not have to respond to every insult. You do not have to respond to everything you disagree with. You do not have to. You don't have to give your opinion on everything. Every ill and every transgression that happens does not need immediate justice. I know that's so hard to believe today. God's word says the prudent ignore insults. The wise people ignore Every ill and every sense of injustice and every transgression that happens. And what does the fool do? The fool is vexed by everything. What does vexation look like? Just just open the door and look outside. Just look at our world. That's Vexation. That is what it looks like to be every disturbance, every misstep, every mistake, every insult, everything that happens that isn't perfectly the way that you want it to be needs to be brought to the attention of everyone and everyone needs to know where you stand on it. The Bible says you're foolish. The Bible says that's what a fool does. But we look at the world and we take all that in and, and then we think, I should probably be aggravated by everything. And I should probably have an opinion about everything. Now this is different than lamenting legitimate evils of our day that need involvement. But most of the things are really just supposed to be brought to God for his vengeance, for his judgment and this proverb goes hand in hand with many of the other proverbs Proverbs that teach us that fewer words are often better than more words. This will be my shorter sermon today. <laughs> controlling our tongue is a great way to gain self-control. If we can master the difficult task of saying less and controlling our speech, self-control in other areas will become easier. That's something amazing that happens. If we can control our tongue, you'll be surprised by how you start to become more disciplined and controlled in other areas of your life, not just in your language. That's how powerful our words are. Here's a a diagnostic tool for you. If you think you might speak too much, you do, (laughs) you do. If there is a thought that maybe you do, you do. And if you don't, if you, don't, if you feel like you're too quiet, you might be the wisest person in the room. And we, just, we actually need to hear from you more. Words can be controlled. Words can heal. Words can also heal. They can bring so much healing. There are 80 Proverbs that shine light on the power of words. 80 Proverbs. 80 different verses within the Proverbs that shine light on the power of words. And we're just looking at really just a handful here, but there's so, so, so much more to say. And these are the big themes of, of, of our words, that they, they reveal our beliefs. They can actually shape our beliefs. They can be controlled. There's great power in words. They can harm, they can kill, they can destroy, but they can also heal and so words, thinking about words is not just about what we don't need to say, right? We, we, that's how we, as Christians, we often think a lot. We look at sins and then we look at the list of things not to do. And often we neglect the actual things the Bible says that we ought to do. And so we can actually use our words in an active way to do good to others and in the world and in our church and in our families and in our relationships. There are kind words and compassionate words. There are true words. There are words that bring life. There are words that heal, and we need to talk about words that heal because we know that words hurt. That's easy. There are words that cut like a sword. There are also words that are like medicine. That's what verse eighteen reminds us of again. Let's look at that again. There, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. How can words heal? Words can heal when they care more about soothing an injury than winning an argument. Words can heal when we are thoughtful of how we can soothe over conflict and soothe an injury rather than prove our point. That's why giving advice too quickly or trying to fix a problem too quickly are like empathy killers. When somebody comes with a heartache, and a deep wound, just trying to fix everything in their life in that moment or give them advice for how they got into that situation and how they shouldn't repeat that mistake again. Those times will come for advice, but that's why giving it too quickly could just kill empathy and kill compassion. Another cultural idiom of our time that is is somewhat off is time time heals all wounds. Time also will wound everything as well time heals all wounds, right? Not true. A lot of times, time can actually cause the wound to become more infected and just become more painful. Ignoring injuries doesn't make them go away. Wise words can bring healing. The story of the healing power of words actually goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 11. And, and let me set this up. Let me tell you this story of the power of words to bring healing because this is where God meets us in our words. This is what he wants us to remember today. There once was a time where all of humanity spoke the same language. All of, God, all, all of humankind spoke one language and because of this, as you can imagine, they were very productive One of the big things about being not productive uh, globally is, uh, is that barrier. There's so many barriers, but one of the barriers was language. That barrier was taken away and they all spoke the same language and they were so productive, you can imagine how productive they were. And they used their power of words to compete with God and to make themselves great rather than to honor and praise God and they built the Tower of Babel. This is in Genesis chapter 11. So all the people got together and they said, we're so productive, we're so resourceful, we are so powerful and we can communicate with one another with the power of words. What should we do? Let's make our name great. Let's, let's build a tower so that we can exist on the same level as God, because look at how amazing we are. So they built a tower in an attempt to reside in heaven where God was as a tribute to their own glory. And God saw that, punished them, confused them, and actually made all of them speak different languages to the point where they couldn't understand each other and they scattered. And their productivity was, was destroyed and they scattered to different regions and became their own tribes and didn't communicate with one another they were divided now in their words. Once united in the power of words, they are now divided in their words. And yet God promised that a day would come when he would heal people, that he would heal the division, that he would bring redemption to the division that had happened in the hearts of people and in reality. One day he would unite his people and he promised he would do this by pouring out his Holy Spirit, by fulfilling his promise to be with his people and to put his own words in their hearts so that instead of being divided, they would be united in love in one common mission. And when Jesus came and was born into our humanity and lived a sinless life and died on the cross and rose from the grave, he ascended into heaven. And on the day of Pentecost, he poured out his Holy Spirit on his church and something amazing happened the curse at the Tower of Babel was reversed. And there was some phenomenon that happened that everyone in observation was amazed at. They were all speaking in a different language and every person who had gathered was from a different nation, a different tribe, a different tongue, and they could all hear and understand what the church was saying. And the church was praising God and speaking the gospel and everyone could hear. They were united now by the power of words that was given because of the word of God through his Holy Spirit. God is telling us that we divide, our words divide, and if we desire to be healing people, people that heal with our words, we need to be filled with his spirit and to speak the words of love, the words of his gospel, the words of truth in every situation. The power comes from God. There is no greater healing word than what God says to us. And he tells us because of his saving work, all the saving work that he has done for us through Jesus, he places his spirit in us so that the, we cry out to our father. We call him father and he calls us his children. There's a conversation that goes on between God and his people. Have have you ever stopped to think about what God says about you? Because of Jesus, because because of his love poured out for you on the cross, because of his substitute, he gave his own son for you to die for your sins, all the ways you have misused your words to cut people down, to make yourself look better, to wound, to hurt, to kill and destroy All of that was placed on Christ. And you know what he calls us now? He calls us his beloved. He calls us his children. He calls us his body. He says that we are adopted. He says that we are forgiven. He says you're made alive in Christ. He says you are a new creation. He says you are my friends. And he says I place my spirit in you so that when you cry out, you will call me father. You'll call me dad. Dad. We can heal with our words only because he heals us with his, his word. When Jesus was washing his disciples' feet, it was such a, it was such an act of love and service that his disciple Peter says, don't wash my feet. You shouldn't be doing this. You're, you're stooping too low. And he says, if I don't wash you, you'll have no part in me. And he says, well, then wash everything. And he says, you're already clean if you have my word. You're clean, you're healed. If you have the word of God, the word of the gospel, the truth of all that he has done for you, to receive it, to grasp it, to rest in it. And then this word becomes our word to the world. When we speak, we speak spiritual songs When we speak about others, we speak words of redemption and hope and healing. When we speak about people's sin, we always speak about it in such a way to see God, sanctify them, convict them, bring them to new life in Christ. Never to put ourselves in a place of superiority to them. When we speak words of discipline to our children, correction to our spouses, critique, Whenever we speak, we speak the words of God. Really, of all the things that can be said about us by others and all the things that we can say to others, really the, the only thing that truly matters is what God says about us. And then that informs everything we say.